0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to everyone, and it's nice to see some guests here today, too. The pastorate received a call from Wanda Talcott this morning that Bruce had passed away, her dad, Bruce Ellis. This is such a loss to our congregation. He was a giant among us, and we've missed his presence for some time now, but... His presence was still felt and now um, he has passed. His presence will still be felt. Communion was such a significant Sunday for him, even when he could not partake of the emblems. But we're going to pause at this point. I've asked Allie to offer a prayer for the family.
1: You pray with me, Creator God. We come to pause in this moment to sit in your love and your grace in the midst of our sadness and in the midst of this loss. What an amazing servant of yours, Bruce Ellis is. Thank you for the example of his life, for the years and years of discipleship that he gave in the pursuit of your peaceable kingdom here on this earth. Thank you for the heritage he leaves to Olathe with his family. They mean so much to us. And in this time, we know that their hearts are broken. And we pray for your grace to wash over them, to restore them, and renew them in this time. We pray for his life partner, Colleen. Please wrap her in a love that knows no end and hold her at this time. Thank you. On behalf of Olathe, for the sweet spirit that Bruce blessed us with in the past years, we have grown. We are better because of him. In these times that we struggle with our human grief, we pray for your love to fill us beyond understanding to be able to be guided and mentored and led by these people that you've placed in our life. Thank you for the life of Bruce Ellis. We pray for all who love him, for his family at this time. It is with great gratitude that he has been in each one of our lives. And we come to you acknowledging that today And we come asking for your love and your grace in the days to come. In your name we pray, amen.
0: So welcome once again. I have been looking forward to this service, this Sunday service, for quite a while now. I signed up to preside about three months ago because I liked the sound of the theme, strength and vulnerability. Sounded like something I might be able to relate to. So I signed up to preside and not too long after that, Allie came to me and wondered what I thought of having Leslie as the speaker for this service. Well, I instantly loved the idea and said I would love to be the one to ask her as well. So I asked her. She said yes, and here we are. Easy, right, Leslie? (laughs) I'm actually going to let Leslie share herself about her personal testimony in relation to the theme, strength and vulnerability. When I was thinking of examples of this theme in this congregation, I was drawn to the sacrament of ordination and specifically when Leslie, Brooke, and Ashley were ordained this past September. It was really a privilege to participate in the presentation of their priesthood calls, but very disappointing to me that I was unable to be at the service of ordination. Each one of them is individual and very different, but there are similarities as well. Saying yes to a call is really opening yourself up to the unknown, making yourself very vulnerable, placing your trust completely in God's hands, allowing God to use you, allowing God to lead you in directions you might not think you really wanna go. As these three women prepared in their classes together with Allie, the spirit that was bonding them in a new way was evident. They seemed to be enjoying a new type of friendship as they shared together in their preparation. They seemed to draw strength from their preparation, but I think they drew strength from their camaraderie as well. I see Ashley just continually expanding her ministry, especially with the children inspiring them to know God better, but also just saying yes to everything that's asked of her. Brooke, on one of the most difficult, heartbreaking days of her life, spontaneously opened herself up to God's nudging and offered a beautiful prayer of peace and healing on behalf of her family. And Leslie, Well, we've all seen her take on the role of being our social media person for the congregation and opening herself up in our leadership meetings with new ideas and suggestions and saying yes to things she's being asked to do. She's really invested herself in this church to the point where she said yes to a priesthood call and now yes to this request to share her ministry today. She's been so delightful to work with as we prepared individually and as we prepared together for this service. Leslie is so sincere in her desire to be pleasing to all of you, but mostly to be pleasing to God. I've been touched by her humility during this preparation because I see such gifts and talents in her that will benefit all of us as she shares with us today and in the years ahead. We have all been called to the office of discipleship, called to be the salt of the earth, called to shine God's light to everyone we come in contact with, called to be God's instruments, his vessels, his servants. We also all have our vulnerabilities, our temptations that distract us from the important mission, whether it be to doubt our own abilities, to lack trust, to become selfish with our time and energy, to let our petty grievances make us apathetic, or even worse, bitter. I could go on. The point is, we all have our temptations that make us vulnerable. And we all have the love and grace of God available to call on for strength. As we share together today in song, prayer, communion, and worship, I pray that you will be touched in a way that brings your relationship with God a little closer, a little deeper to what he is calling you to do.
2: Jesus, thank you for this beautiful day, thank you for for our church family, Please please bless the people in the prayer book, and help us have a wonderful church service. We love you, God and Jesus. Amen.
3: Today is the first Sunday of Lent, a time where we reflect on our discipleship and hear the story leading up to Easter. It is about divine grace, based on the example of Christ's 40 days in the desert preparing for ministry. Lent is a time for us to honestly examine who we are, recognize who we are called to become, and receive divine grace for that journey. We have five candles here to represent the five Sundays or 40 days of Lent. This week's candle represents honesty. Looking honestly at ourselves, our lives, and choices is the first step in admitting how we fall short of who Christ asks us to become. Honestly admitting our mistakes and accepting accountability for our actions is confession. Regretting past actions or attitudes, and sincerely desiring to change for the better is repentance. Honesty is needing in both. Today we confess, today we repent. Today we praise our loving creator for the love and forgiveness extended to all. We open ourselves to fully receive both.
4: Let's read our Lenten lament together. My soul grieves because of my sin. I am surrounded by the temptations and sins that so easily influences me. When I desire to rejoice, my heart groans because of my sins. Nevertheless, I know in whom I trust.
5: In today's uh, Disciples' Generous Response, uh, the, the church officially recognizes the problem of world hunger. Um, back in 1978, the church first started their program and have, over that time have contributed about $14 million to 37 countries. When June asked me to do this and I started sort of researching and looking into it, um, the first thing that kind of took me aback was, why is this still a problem? I mean, we can order something on Amazon, get it the next day. If I'm busy, I can take the kids to McDonald's. It's not a problem in my life. And, but it is a problem worldwide, and it is a problem locally. So I looked up in local Johnson County. 2014 is the latest numbers that they, they provided. It said um, about 11.6% of, of households in Johnson County suffer food insecurity. And it actually is greater for children. I think it's about 17% of households that have children suffer from food insecurity in our own neighborhoods. So I want you to try to go on hypothetical with me. Um, let's, let's imagine we live in a different country. We live in a small community, small village, and we don't have, we don't have plumbing. We don't have the same sorts of you know, amenities that we have in this country. What if you had to walk two miles each day just to get clean drinking water for your family? What if there was a drought, you didn't have the crops that year to feed, and you're, you're walking home from getting that two, three gallons of daily water, and you're wondering how you're going to feed your kids? It's a problem. There's eight billion people, something like that, in this world, and a lot of them don't have food. It's the simplest problem. So what can we do about it? Well, I pulled a piece of scripture, one that's pretty, pretty well-known about giving and generosity. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6-8. through eight. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever grows gener- sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give into your, in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what's a cheerful giver? Well, it's one that has something in abundance and recognizes a need and honors God by giving. And that's all we ask. It might be with your time, it might be with your money, it might be with your talents. But you should do it cheerfully. Will those doing the collection please come forward? Please pray with me. Lord, creator God, help us recognize all that we have in abundance. Lord, reveal to us those who are in need and help us act with compassion and cheer when we give generously. We pray for those that hunger for food and those that hunger in spirit. Lord, bless these gifts that we entrust to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
6: Good morning. morning. I'm sure uh, for some of you, it's very strange to see me up here on the rostrum this morning giving the message for today, as opposed to being over there playing my violin, or over there taking pictures for our congregation's social media presence. As someone who self-identifies as an introvert, I can tell you it sure feels strange to me being up here. As Ray Adams said once, it took a few years of our family attending this congregation before he learned that I could even talk. (laughs) But when June asked me to speak this morning, specifically because my name was brought up when the theme was announced, it was impossible to say no. (laughs) After our teacher's ordination service last September, Ashley Harker gave me this bracelet. It has very powerful advice engraved on it. Let your faith be bigger than your fear. I'm going to try and do that today. Our lectionary for today comes from the fourth chapter of Matthew. Just prior to this, Jesus had been baptized and was then led by the Spirit to journey into the wilderness. From Matthew 4, verses 2 through 4. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In this exchange, Jesus had purposefully left himself vulnerable by fasting and wandering in isolation. The tempter was trying to get Jesus to focus on his own personal need and away from his calling to God. He was also challenging Jesus in his weakened state about his identity. You say you're the son of God, huh? Prove it. The tempter knew, as we have all experienced at some point in our lives, that it's hard to be strong and courageous when you are plagued with worry and doubt. Jesus, of course, doesn't fall for this trick and continues journeying. He is tempted two more times in this chapter by the same temptations we face today materialism, doubt, misdirection, and power. If you're like me, after hearing this story, you thought to yourself, well, of course Jesus can hold strong in his vulnerable state. He's Jesus. But I think the important part to note here is that nowhere in this passage does Matthew say it was easy for Jesus. He was tired which left him weakened, he was vulnerable. It's not that he was strong because he didn't have to struggle. He was strong because he did, and he overcame it. For Matthew, the questions Jesus had to face and wrestle with are also ones we have to ask ourselves. Who will I be in God? What is God's wish for my life? Will I be someone different from who God calls me to be? Last summer, on Monday, July 15th specifically, I started to feel strange. Something just felt off. I was having pain and tension in my shoulders and upper left abdomen that was causing me to feel very anxious. My symptoms seemed worse during the day when I was at work and lessened when I was in the comfort of my own home, so my strategy was to work past the pain and just get over it. But by Friday, the pain was still there. And in the middle of my workday, the pain expanded to my chest and down my left arm. And I started to really freak out because even though I don't know a lot about human anatomy, I know that pains on the left side of your body is often an indicator of cardiac issues. I was able to make it through what felt like the longest workday of my life. But unlike earlier in the week, the symptoms weren't going away. When I got home and still, Still, I was determined to stick it out by myself and just wait for it all to go away. After an hour of panicking and crying under my bed covers, I just couldn't take it anymore. My poor parents, who were enjoying dinner and a game night in Lee Summit, got a frantic call from their daughter saying that she needed them to drive her to the emergency room that she was pretty sure she was having some kind of heart attack. 45 minutes later, we entered a somewhat crowded ER. Turns out, chest pains is the magic phrase that gets you admitted immediately. The nurse asked my parents to wait while she took me to a private exam room where I was asked to go completely topless so she could hook me up to an EKG machine that would measure my heartbeat. So I laid there doing some of that panicked praying that Laura talked about a couple weeks ago. Heart pounding in my chest, short of breath and shaking, naked from the waist up, while a complete stranger placed what felt like a 1,000 stickers all over me. Talk about feeling vulnerable. After the agonizing five minutes it took to hook me up to the machine, it took a mere 10 seconds to actually run the test. And the nurse confirmed that my heartbeat was totally normal. I asked her to run the test again, which she graciously did, still normal. I then told her this machine must be broken or something because I mean, look at me, (laughs) this is not normal. Oh, don't get me wrong, the nurse said. Your heartbeat is incredibly fast, but the rhythm is normal and strong. I was then transferred to an ER patient room, reunited with my parents, we then, we then spent the next four hours running many, 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 many fast tests, each one each one confirmed me. I hadn't had any, any cardiac episodes. The ER doctor's official diagnosis: I'd had a panic attack. Now, I've had some anxiety since I was a teenager, so I thought I knew what a panic attack felt like. Apparently, I didn't, at least not one that severe. Both the ER doctor and my primary care physician agreed that some therapy might be helpful to try and understand why this happened and how to mitigate these symptoms in the future. Surprise, surprise, I wasn't a huge fan of the idea. Talking about all of my struggles and insecurities with another complete stranger, no thank you. But my doctor insisted and really pushed me to go. The therapist gave me a disappointing answer as to why this happened. Anxiety is biological. Yes, there are certain triggers that can make things worse, but a panic attack can come out of nowhere for no reason. Great, I said. Then what's the point of me even being here? Let me ask you something, he said, doing that annoying thing that therapists do by answering your question with another question. Did you tell anybody you were going through this? Yes, I said, my parents, okay, your parents, sure. How about anybody else who didn't bring it into this world? Did you tell any of them? No, I said, I don't need to do that. I take a lot of pride in being independent and taking care of myself. It works just fine for me. Okay, my therapist said, but you did just go to the ER for a panic attack, so (laughs) do we still think that strategy's working for you? He had a point. In addition to relaxation therapy for my body, my therapist recommended this simple exercise for my soul. Tell people, talk to those you're close with and be honest about your struggle. You reach out to those people all the time with exciting news in your life. You got a promotion, you bought your first house. Why can't you do the same when the news isn't so good? Because it's scary, I said. When you open yourself up to people, you leave yourself open and exposed and vulnerable. They see the chinks in your armor and they'll realize that parts of me are damaged. It didn't happen all at once. But gradually, in the eight months since my ER visit, I've allowed myself to open up to others in a way I never have before. Friends, family, colleagues, congregation, I let them know that things were tough right now, and I was really struggling with my anxiety. And this most likely will be a lifelong struggle for me because of a serotonin imbalance. I expected to feel ashamed and embarrassed for admitting these weaknesses. But you know what? I had never felt stronger and more at peace with myself. It was such a release. And where I expected coolness and silent judgment from other people, I got warmth and compassion. People in turn opened up to me about their own battles, some even saying that they too had struggled with anxiety and depression. This whole experience was an affirmation that this is who God wants me to be, cracks and all. I'm not weak because I struggle. I'm strong because I struggle. Just last week, a friend of mine sent a text asking me to detail my anxiety symptoms because he was starting to think that what he thought was just nerves and stress was something more. I know he never would have reached out to me and asked such a personal question if I hadn't in turn been finally honest and completely open about my struggles with him. I know now that God is going to use me because of my imperfections, not in spite of them. I suspect that it will always be a little bit scary to be so open and vulnerable with people, but I'm going to let my faith be bigger than my fear.
4: um, this lonesome valley we have to walk it by Da lonesome valley, you have to walk it by yourself, nobody else can walk it for you, you have to walk it by yourself.
7: Make sure everyone gets up here. All right. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me up here today. I really, really appreciate all of you um, coming up and joining me. All right. So who here can raise their hand and tell me something special that we do as a congregation and as a church the first Sunday of every month? What do we do? Communion, very, very nice. We get to participate in communion. All right. Now, who thinks they have an idea of what we do during communion? What do we do as as a congregation during communion?
3: We eat and drink. What do we eat and drink?
2: Um, I don't really know because I don't eat it and drink it.
3: Wine and bread.
7: The wine and bread, very good, the juice, very nice. All right, so that was good. But now here is the tough question. You ready? Does anybody here know why we take communion?
3: The night before Jesus was taken prisoner, he said that he found... I don't really remember, though. I know who said you're going to like drink my blood and eat the bread
2: or whatever. Yeah, no, you're
7: exactly right. Absolutely. Very, that was really, really good. That was way better than I would have been able to do. I can tell you that much. So you're exactly right. This all started back when Jesus was having a very, very special dinner with his disciples. So they were at dinner to celebrate what was called Passover, which happened, Passover happened many, many years before Jesus was even born. And part of their tradition was to celebrate the memory of Passover every year. So that's why they were all having dinner together. But this dinner was special for a very different reason as well. It was going to be the last meal that Jesus and his disciples were going to have together before Jesus died on the cross. Now, Jesus, as we know, was very, very smart. And knew what was going to happen. But the disciples had no idea. So Jesus used the Last Supper to try and explain everything to his disciples. So what Jesus did is use the bread and the juice as symbols to represent sacrificing himself on the cross. So he asked the disciples take this bread and eat it. And when you eat it, think of it kind of like my body. And remember that I love you and the world so much that I'm letting people take my body and put it on the cross. And then he grabbed the cup and said, whenever you drink this juice... Think of it kind of like my blood so that you can remember that even though I knew that I would be hurt and bleeding, that I love you all so much that I'm going to allow it to happen so that each and every one of you can have an even closer relationship with God. So now, on the first Sunday of every month, All of the people who have been baptized and declared that we want to do our best to follow the teachings of God and Jesus, take part of the church service and use it to eat bread, drink some wine, and remember all of the amazing things Jesus did for us a long time ago because he loved us so much. All right, so... Most of us here, some of us here, have not been baptized yet. So some of you may not actually today eat the bread and drink the juice. But I have something in this bag here. Now, I explained this to my wife yesterday because I thought it was hilarious, but she didn't laugh (laughs) the same way that I laughed. So no pressure. But what I have in here is a bag of Starburst. Which, if you've ever had a Starburst before, you know when you first put it in your mouth, it's nice and solid and chewy, kind of like the bread. But as you bite into it and chew it, it kind of turns a little juicy, kind of like the juice. Thank you. I knew she was wrong. So as we go back to our seats, even if your parents say no Starburst right now, when you do eventually get to eat your Starburst, try and remember to think about all of the things that God and Jesus have done for us and how much God and Jesus love each And every one of us, so, so much. All right. So I think everyone can probably take two or three starbursts. It's all good. It's all good. Nice job. All right. So as you're going back to your seats, a reminder to everyone else who's gathered here that all are welcome at Christ's table. The Lord's Supper or communion is a sacrament in which we remember the life, the death, the resurrection and continuing presence of Jesus Christ. In community of Christ, we also experience communion as an opportunity to renew our baptismal covenant and to be formed as disciples who live Christ's mission. Others might have different or added understandings within their faith traditions, but we invite all who participate in the Lord's Supper to do so in the love and peace of Jesus Christ.
0: Please kneel as you're able for the combined prayer.
7: Eternal God, we ask you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread and wine to the souls of all those who receive them, that they may eat and drink in remembrance of the body and blood of your Son, a witness to you, O God, that they are willing to take upon them the name of your Son and always remember him and keep the commandments
2: which he has given them that they may always have a spirit to with them. Amen.
0: This week, may we commit to view ourselves with loving honesty. Like Jesus in the desert, we are often tempted to use your blessings for our own gain. Help us recognize those times we do so at the expense of others. Grant us strength to see clearly where we are and the courage to step where you beckon us to go. We commit. nurture your peace in our lives and uphold the sacredness of your creation. Amen.